Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the vaccinations and what to expect medically in the first year um, of your baby's life. I think that everyone's really, really nervous actually when they bring their precious little baby home and we always consider or presume that there's sort of issues and we desperately want reassurance and actually luckily there are loads of checks and opportunities um, and there is quite a lot of support isn't there Kiara? Um, Especially for your first baby you get a a lot of support and help right from the minute your baby's born um, especially in the first few months. And it's, you know, you're constantly looking at your baby and as we discussed in a previous podcast your baby doesn't look very normal in the first year and there's always loads of questions and concerns yeah. what, what do you expect so um, they obviously they'll check the baby over in the hospital as soon as they're born yeah so as soon as your baby's born the midwife um, who's there will give your baby a quick top top to tail examination check there's nothing abnormal and then in those first uh, few hours in hospital, usually in the first 72 hours after the baby's born, your baby will have a proper check by a doctor, paediatrician or a midwife who's trained in, in baby checks uh, just to check everything's all right before you go home. And they do a hearing test in hospital, don't they? Yes, that's right. So m- most babies will have a hearing test before they leave hospital. How on earth do they do a hearing test in a newborn baby? It's extraordinary. Uh, they have a sort of clever machine that they just put a little device inside the baby's ear and they're able to detect the response of the baby to various sounds. Yeah. Okay. And then um, when you get home, you're visited by the midwife, aren't you, in the first few days? Yeah. So usually within the first 10 days or so, the midwife will come a few times and will be weighing the baby and answering any questions you have and checking you're settling and okay with your new baby at home. It's a good opportunity to ask any questions and um, sort of bounce ideas off your midwife. They're brilliant resource. Yeah. Um, the heel prick test. I remember that being a bit traumatic with my children, but it's a really important one, isn't it's it? It's really important, and it's it's not too traumatic, certainly for the baby. It's a tiny little little, little prick on the heel that takes a drop of blood, and then the midwife um, takes that drop of blood and sends it off, and it checks for various sort of rare diseases, but the really important diseases like cystic fibrosis or um, uh, sickle cell anemia, various other ones. Um, so it is important. I think it's more traumatic for the mother than the baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the next few weeks, the health visit comes to, to visit you and is that very much checking the baby or is that more for your reassurance? I think it's a bit of both really so um, the midwives will come for the first few days and usually they'll discharge you and the baby if they're happy that everything's going well um, by about 10 days um, and then the health visitor who um, who's usually attached to your local GP surgery will come home and uh, and do a visit at home with your baby and will go through lots of different questions you might have and talk about the different resources that are available to you and your baby in the community um, and uh, it's a really good opportunity 
opportunity to ask any questions you have. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of the important things that they'll do is give you your your red book, which is a, um, ba your, your baby's health record and where you can record all the different uh, medical encounters your baby might have in terms of vaccinations and that sort of thing. And actually, that red book is great because there are a lot of vaccinations. We're going to talk about those in a second, but um, we obviously really need to make sure that there's a record of that for your baby's life going ahead. Yes, and it's not just vaccinations. It's also a record of how your baby's growing. Um, it's got lots of really useful information about the development milestones you can expect for your baby at different stages um, you know as your baby grows up yeah and then the next check is about six weeks isn't it um, the formal check where you go in to visit your doctor you bring your little baby in and um, they're sort of weighed and measured yeah, but there's lots of other checks as well that they're doing at that stage at that stage so that's a really important check and actually if your baby's well your baby might not see a doctor until that six week check obviously if there's any concerns in those first few weeks you can bring your baby to see your doctor anytime um, but the six week check is the, the formal check to give your baby a good thorough top to toe examination and check everything is 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 as it should be, as well as giving you the opportunity to discuss any concerns or issues or questions you might have with, with your doctor. And this is just at your local GP. Do you have to register your baby before this six-week check? Yeah, well, most GP surgeries would require you to actually go in, not necessarily with the baby, but register the baby, get the baby onto the system before you bring the baby in. So it's worth trying to do that actually as soon as your baby's born. Or being well, uh, your baby would, would just need a next routine check at, at about nine to 12 months. And you'll have obviously one year vaccinations at that stage too, so they might combine that. Yeah. And then the next sort of formal routine check would be in, in the years sort of between one and three, often done it when they're two. Okay. And I guess the good thing to remember is that it's not, any questions don't have to be confined to this check. If at any point you're worried about your baby, you just make an appointment to go and see the GP. And they're pretty good at seeing babies, aren't they? At prioritising um, newborn babies in particular. So if you've got any concerns, they'll usually try and see you that day, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. And most surgeries are really good at that. Um, it's much easier than making an appointment for you, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. So vaccinations. Um, this is obviously a big sort of thing um, that parents worry about. And uh, we talk about a lot on the bump class just because I think recently there's been a lot of um, talk about you know vaccinations and are they safe and because everyone's so worried with your newborn baby you just want to do the best by them i know and unfortunately there's so much information on the internet uh, most of it or a lot of it which is uh, not in any way evidence-based and 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 quite scaremongering i mean certainly if you speak to any sensible doctor pediatrician um they will be advising you that uh, that vaccinations are, are what they would recommend and they save the lives of thousands, tens of thousands more uh, babies across the world. Um, and, and they are safe. You know, we give vaccinations to you know, all babies in all countries and they're extensively trialled and tested. Mm. And unfortunately, there has been a bit of a trend of parents not vaccinating their babies for various reasons. And as a result, we've seen outbreaks of preventable disease in, in, in Western countries. So at the moment in London, we've got whooping cough outbreaks, we've got measles outbreaks, and children are very, very unwell with these, with these illnesses. So um, certainly from my point of view, I would encourage you to vaccinate your babies. Uh, I certainly would not have vaccinated mine if I had any doubts at all about the safety of vaccinations and uh, and uh, so hopefully you'll 
agree and go down that route too. It's it's not worth it once you've seen, you know, a child in intensive care with measles that's entirely preventable in London. It usually makes you think twice about not vaccinating your baby. And there is no link, is there, between autism and MMR? That's been unequivocally proven that there is absolutely no link. It's not something you need to be wary yeah, of. Yeah, certainly that that's what I would advise my parent, my patients. You know, there is there is uh, lots of controversy about it. You'll find loads of people on the internet saying that there is definitely a link. Um, there, there isn't you know it's been unequivocally as you say um sort of shown to be to be completely safe and the, the doctor who put forward that research has since been struck off the medical register the paper in which it was initially published has been withdrawn and and there is no link we would not be giving babies that vaccination if there were a link yeah yeah um and what about splitting those vaccinations up because i know that they get quite a lot of vaccinations like the mmr is many vaccinations in one injection as such and i know that some people talk about potentially splitting those those vaccinations up is that beneficial or is it just more needles into the baby's arm and arguably then less less kind of kind to babies yeah no certainly for, for injections like the mmr um there's no benefit at all to splitting it up it's one needle as opposed to three needles and they're getting the same the same uh, vaccinations so I, I wouldn't go down that route okay so what what vaccinations um can you expect in the first year the first lot is at eight weeks so actually another opportunity to see the doctor and ask any questions although it might not be the doctor giving the vaccinations it's sometimes the practice nurse isn't it yeah absolutely and that depends on the on the practice you're in but the practice nurses again a really good uh, resource to ask questions and if they have any concerns or, or can't answer the questions they will they will refer you to see your to see your doctor from birth they have the bcg don't they potentially that's the first vaccination they'd get yes so that's uh, the vaccination that protects them against tuberculosis which um is not offered to every baby it's like it depends uh, upon where you live if you're living in an area that has a high prevalence of tuberculosis um, many boroughs in London do do su- suggest that babies have it because we are seeing more and more tuberculosis in London but certainly in some parts of England you wouldn't be you wouldn't be offered it and it wouldn't be something that's necessary yeah the BCG the, the tuberculosis is um, is the one that our generation had sort of like when we were about 13 14 wasn't it we had the heave test that little prick test to see whether we had immunity and then we were given that BCG I remember it scar not scarring but it kind of it wasn't like a normal vaccination it kind of actually got really pussy and horrible um, and has left a bit of a scar on my, on my arm yeah so uh, it's different from all the other vaccinations that babies get and the other vaccinations don't leave any sort of scar but the uh, but the BCG does scar and that's what it's supposed to do yeah um, it, it usually leaves quite a small scar um, but it's just one of the one of the effects of the vaccination which you know if you're going to have it is something you have to take into account yeah and actually that scarring is one of the proofs that it has worked that the the, that the person has got immunity so that's ideally given in hospital or you know quite close and um if you're not offered it can you maybe talk to your gp about getting it if you'd like that for your baby especially if you're going to potentially travel Travel, yeah it's definitely something worth discussing with your doctor if they're not offering it routinely and is that something you can get privately if they're not offering it on the nhs in your area yeah absolutely so if if that's something you want but you're not eligible for because of where because of where you live then go and go and uh, speak to someone about doing 
doing it privately, that's very easily available. Okay. And so the next lot of injections is at eight weeks. Uh, vaccinations is at eight weeks. Um, and so you'll go to the practice. And what will they give you at that stage? So actually the eight-week injections currently are, um, uh, as that's probably a time when they have the most injections. So I'd say it's worth sort of preparing for that, giving the baby a bit of cowpole before getting to the surgery on that day. Yeah, we'll talk about well, preparing yeah, what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, what they're actually getting uh, is the, fi- the first of the five-in-one injections. So the five-in-one injection is the um, diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, uh, polio and influenza. That all comes as one injection. Um, and then they'll have boosters of those further down the line. So they'll have the five-in-one, then they'll have the first dose of the meningitis B vaccination, um, and they will have the pneumococcal vaccination, which is to prevent against the pneumonia. And then they'll also have, those three are all injections, and then they'll have one dose of the oral rotavirus, which is a, which is a, a liquid injection. They just, they just swallow. What's rotavirus? So rotavirus is a, is a nasty uh, infection of the gut where they get... You know, horrible diarrhea and can get quite dehydrated. So that's and that that is particularly um, that particularly affects newborn babies. So if they get that, they can get very unwell quite quickly. So that's why we give babies that. And so that's four injections they have in the first eight weeks. No, that's three injections and one oral. Okay, so perfect. four vaccinations, but three needles. Yeah, and in my experience, you know, their babies are kind of quite oblivious to it. They give them to them in the leg, don't they? Usually at this yeah, stage. Yeah, they usually give them the um, leg. And I remember bringing my son in and. Um, Actually, three is quite good because actually the third, they realise what's happening to them. They're, they're screaming, um, but not for very long. And um, But actually, it's good that it's not more because actually by the time they've realised what's happening to them, it's all over. Yeah, exactly. And listen, it's probably worth bringing some, something that you know distracts them. So bring a sort of rattly toy or something that you know distracts them because actually as soon as you distract them, they're usually fine. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So then eight weeks for vaccinations. The next lot is at 12 weeks, three months. Um, how important is it for it to be exactly um, on the sort of 12 it months? It doesn't have to be at, by the day exactly, but it needs to be, it, it should be four weeks from the first one. So if you don't manage to get to your eight week injections until the baby's nine weeks, then it's four weeks after that that they do the next one. Okay. All right. So what do they have at the um, 12 week vaccination? So at 12 week vaccinations, they have the booster of the five in one. So that's exactly the same uh, injection as they had at eight weeks and then they have um just the oral rotavirus uh, one as well so okay, so just one it's just injection one injection actually the 12 week ones are quite nice it's just one injection and one oral one okay and then the 16 week three months one is and then the yeah, 16 weeks they get um the uh booster of the five in one again so that's their third five in one uh, they get a, uh, a booster of the pneumonia one that they had when they were eight weeks and then they have the second meningitis b vaccination and it tends to be the meningitis B vaccinations that they have at eight weeks and, tw- and uh, 16 weeks that gives them a bit of a feverish reaction. So those are the ones it's worth, it's worth preparing them for with a bit of cowpaw before they get there. 
And then the good news is that there's no more vaccinations for your little baby um, for a little bit because then the next vaccinations are at a year, aren't they? 12 to 13 months. Yeah, absolutely. So 12 to 13 months, those are uh, the ones I don't like giving because when they're babies, they, they, don't, they don't look at you as if you've just done something horrid to them. But by the time they're one, they do. They give you that death stare. <laughs> <laughs> and how many are they having at this stage? So when they're, when they're 12 months old, they, have, um, they actually have four injections. So it's, it's quite a big lot again then. So they get, the, um, they get the, the first MMR, which is the mumps, measles and rubella, which is a really important one to get, it, get into them. Um, they have the booster of the men- uh, a pneumococcal one, which is the pneumonia one. They have the booster of the meningitis B one. And then they have um, uh, one which is called Hib-Men-C, which is a booster haemophilus influenza, which is combined with the, f- with the first meningitis C vaccination um and then that's it then till about three years so actually that first year the first sort of month two three four months that's quite intense yeah. Then they get a bit of a break yeah. then they get some at one yeah. and then you don't need to think about it until they're three yeah, yeah or even later actually it's the preschool boosters so yeah. it's any time between so three and a half and five um but before they start school yeah and how careful do you have to be with your baby before they've had that first lot of vaccinations at eight weeks is it okay to take them out and you know go to play groups and go to go on the tube with them or you know go can you fly with them at that stage yeah so to be honest i think in those first few weeks of a baby's life you don't really want to be taking them out about they're not getting anything from going to play groups or socializing with other babies it's quite nice for them to sort of hunker down with their with their mummy and you get used you getting used to life you know with the new baby that said it's perfectly safe to take them out you know in the pram or to cafes or to meet friends um you know but but uh, but I wouldn't be sort of flying with them if you can avoid it, or taking them on on uh, you know to areas where they could pick up infections. Yeah. And I think it's also worth um, bearing in mind that it's not unreasonable to ask people to give their hands a quick wash yes. before they pick well, up your baby. People love to touch baby newborn babies, and actually, I think you know you don't necessarily want a stranger on the bus sort of you know stroking your baby's head or, or face you know unnecessarily i know it's funny how some people feel that they see a baby and they immediately touch it yeah. actually one girl said to me that she quite liked just hanging a muslin over the the buggy like the pram just because it stopped people kind of reaching in and, yeah. and touching her baby yeah. Yeah. and it's quite good also just for his kind of bit more shade yeah. in the summer months yeah absolutely preparing for vaccinations like I know that we. I think we've established that it is sort of so important to to vaccinate your child, and I know that some doctors regard it as tantamount to child abuse not to to vaccinate your children. But it's not nice for any mum, and it's it's horrible to see that. But um, and your children can get a bit cranky. Your babies can a bit of, get a bit unwell and feverish after um, the vaccinations. Yeah, have so been some babies don't get any reaction at all, and other babies do get a bit um, a bit unwell after the vaccinations, and unfortunately. You can't predict, you know, how your baby's going to respond. But I think it's always good to expect the worst and then be prepared for it. So what what is normal is for the baby to get quite irritable, maybe a bit cranky in the in the sort of 24 to 48 hours after they've had the vaccination. Sometimes they'll get a bit of a fever, a bit of a temperature, um, which you might need to give some paracetamol or some sort of um, fever medication for. It's also really common for them to get a bit of redness and swelling around the injection site where the, where the doctor gave the injection. I think it's also worth making sure you plan them at a convenient time. Like, don't plan the sort of eight-week vaccinations for the day before you're about to kind of go and 
stay with the in-laws for the first time yeah, I think it's worth sort of thinking okay I'll do it on a Monday and I know that Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be quite quiet so that if there is a sort of cranky baby then at least we're not sort of under pressure you certainly don't want to be sort of doing it before their christening or anything yeah, like that or, or a flight abroad or something like that yeah. and some babies I remember with 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 uh, Ludo he just slept really well after the vaccinations in fact I think like eight weeks when we had those first vaccinations it was the longest he'd ever slept at night so it was amazing but you know different children have different um, experiences and it's worth I suppose ma making sure you've got your medical kit um, so making sure that you've got some children's um, ibuprofen and paracetamol um, in case you do need to give that in the middle yeah, of the night so to get a fever down. You, you can give when they're little babies the ibuprofen you don't want to be giving until they're three months old yeah. um, but but yes having it handy is uh, is definitely worthwhile you don't want to be sort of having to rush off to a 24 hour pharmacy in the middle of the night because you haven't got any at home. Yeah and also it's probably worth having a good thermometer ideally one of those ones that you stick in the ear so you can take yeah, the temperature. Yeah the, a good quality one of those are, are probably one of the easiest ones um, because they're easy to take they're quite accurate but there's lots of different types that are worth you, that, that you can use as long as there's something you've got to measure the baby's temperature. Yeah also don't forget your child's personal health record when you go to the to the doctor yeah, that the red, red book, book yeah. which is really really crucial it's so easy to forget that if you do forget it just make sure that you write it down get them to write down the vaccinations on a post-it note and you just need to make sure that it is filled in because sometimes these records go missing and it's so much better if you have that record yeah and listen if you end up having vaccinations in different places um you know it, the, the records can get a little bit muddled so it's really useful to have it all in one place yeah. And I think I think someone said to me once um, when when I was you know having vaccinations for my children that probably the most the person that suffers the most during the vaccinations is the mother. Oh, I always say to the you know <laughs> to the parents it's you know it's promise you it's worse for you than it is for the baby. Do you, what about feeding the baby like when they're little having the vaccinations yeah. doing a feed while they're cause Yeah, that's... absolutely. So if the mother's breastfeeding then I would you know offer her you know if she wants to be breastfeeding while they're doing the vaccinations that's also um, quite comforting for the baby or putting putting the baby to the breast straight away afterwards as a distraction is is also quite a good technique. And what about extra vaccinations? Because obviously the route, this routine sort of vaccination schedule in the UK um, is it's pretty good, is it? It's a good... Yeah, it's quite moderate schedule compared to different countries. So we give, I'd say, average amount of vaccinations, not as many as, as in America or some European countries, but... Um, you know they're all important so um but there are if you're wanting to or interested there are some additional uh, vaccinations that you may want to think about giving to your baby that aren't available on the nhs um, but you could have you could you know you could get done for, for a cost at your surgery or, or or privately so the ones that i'd sort of maybe think about are obviously the bcg we mentioned if that's not something you're being offered um uh, chickenpox vaccination. There is a vaccination against chickenpox, which um, which the baby can have after they're 12 months old, and it's it's uh, two vaccinations three months apart, and uh, that will largely pre prevent them getting chickenpox. Uh, chickenpox is generally not considered a sort of severe life-threatening disease, which is why it's not offered as a vaccination in the UK. Having said that, most children get chickenpox when they're sort of toddler age when they're starting nursery often when baby number two is either on the way or just arrived and you, and it can be dangerous for newborn babies to get chicken pox so that's the reason some mothers choose to choose to have the vaccination um it's pretty and it can uh, be effective. nasty can't it chicken pox a chicken pox yeah it can be a very mild illness with just a few spots but it can be pretty nasty with spots in the mouth and eyes and um you know getting making the children really quite unwell but um and the other thing is that you then can't really go out when you've got chicken pox yeah, if you've got a two-year-old yeah. with chicken pox you you're in isolation for 
two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are you're quarantined with a with a um, chickenpox child, and that with a toddler can be quite, can be quite trying. But you know, again, that's that's quite a personal decision. And if you know, if you're if you'd rather your child has chickenpox, that's absolutely fine. But it's something that you can you can prevent quite effectively now. Is it? better for them to have chicken pox like you know people have chicken pox parties because they want their children to get chicken pox so they get all the children together and then they all have chicken pox is there any benefit to actually having the chicken pox like so if they illness, have chicken pox they to... have uh, they, they get an immunity in the same way that if you have a vaccination you get the immunity so um it, it is possible very rare but it is possible to get chicken pox again after you've had it and it is possible to get chicken pox after you've had the vaccine it's um it, 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 it's something that um um, depends on your immune reaction to that to mm. that va- vaccination or, or or to the infection. In the UK, if you because we have we see quite a lot of chickenpox, the children are constantly exposed to the chickenpox virus, and so they're constantly boosting their immunity. In some countries like America, where they never see chickenpox because it's part of the routine vaccination schedule, so there just is no chickenpox. Um, they need a few more boosters because because uh, they're they're not having that boost to their immune immune system by being exposed to it. Yeah. And what about anything else? Any other um, vaccinations that aren't offered that might be worth considering? Um, so the other one that I would sort of think about is the other hepatitis vaccinations. Again, that's sort of routine in, in, the, in, in America mm. and in some European countries. And it's something that... Um, you know, hepatitis is an infection of the liver that that is becoming more prevalent in the UK, um, and and you know it's something we can protect the children against. So hepatitis B they can have from birth, and hepatitis A they can have from from a year, um, but actually they can have a combined B and A vaccination from a year, and that's probably um, that's probably sufficient. Um, but again, just something worth thinking about, having mm. a chat to your doctor about. Yeah. Well, I think that is quite a good idea of sort of vague vaccinations and hopefully we care in the first in the first you know year or so and we're going to do another podcast about a detailed uh, six-week examination what that actually checks for yeah um, and uh, and possibly again the sort of one year and and uh, and two year checkups yeah. i think maybe we should do another one about uh, vaccinating older children because actually now that my children are seven and five vaccinating when the, them when they were babies was easy because you just held them and they didn't know what was happening but you should see kiara and i because kiara quite often brings the vaccinations home in the at the weekends and uh, the children do not want to be vaccinated at all so i'm tr- we're trying to work on sort of clever ways of uh, distracting distracting <laughs> them because it's never as bad as they're anticipating but it's often the sort of build up ends up that they're sort of terrified helping them understand why we're vaccinating exactly now at that age exactly well i hope you found that helpful um there is lots more information about this in our book um the bump class an expert guide to pregnancy birth and beyond which is available from all good bookshops and keep an eye too on our social media our instagram bump class facebook um and our website which is thebumpclass.com 